Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bennett. You are listening to the Daily Halacha, Machshava, and Kabbalah podcast series. If you are enjoying this series and you want to support what it is that we're doing and help us to do it even more, then consider heading over to www.yesodblocks.com where you can subscribe to our website for only $9.99 and get access to a huge array of Torah content, systems, frameworks, all the things that are referenced in this series, uh, kind of like just in uh, an overhead type of form. You can really get into the depths of the things that we're trying to share and teach on Yesodblocks. So head over there and join us. Join the growing Yesodblocks community and check out and see what all of the uh, talk is all about. So in addition to that, we also have a new series out on iTunes and Amazon. It's called Tikkun HaYesod. It's all about using this integrated Torah to deal with the dark side of the internet, how to battle the world of pornography and properly perceive it and relate to it and understand it very deeply and carefully, as opposed to uh, perceiving it and relating to it more reactively. Uh, that's Tikkun Hayesod, again, on iTunes and Amazon for only $9.99. You can get uh, access to that series, or you could just subscribe at Yesodblocks, and there the series is already up there on the website as well uh, as part of the regular subscription package. So in this particular episode, we're going to be continuing a particular halacha that we started to explore in the in a couple of episodes ago, and we were we were kind of working our way through Natilas Yadayim, washing our hands in the morning, and then we got to this a uh, small section of halacha called kavanat uh, habrachot. Kavanat habrachot, this is the intention you're supposed to have when you are saying a bracha. And this is in Siman He in Orachayim. It's uh, section 5, and there's only one halacha in Siman He. So we're just going to read it again, and we explored it in the previous episode talking about this uh, in the light of and the context of this concept of the right and the left, because we were talking about uh, washing your right hand before your left hand in Natilas Yadayim. And then we saw in this halacha as well, there's a reference to these two names of Hashem, the four-letter name of Hashem that's spelled with a Yud and a He and a Vav and a He. And then there's the other name of Hashem, which is the name Elohim. And so this Siman and Halacha is trying to tell us what it is that we're supposed to be thinking when we actually read these names. So let's just read the Halacha again, and then we can just go and explore another angle of this, which is kind of more the primary angle. The angle we explored in the previous episode was more of a connection angle between this Halacha and the Halacha about washing our hands. So what it says is, A person should have intent when saying a bracha on the meaning of the words that he is saying. When you mention the name of Hashem, you should try to intend the meaning of how you're reading it. So the name of Hashem, the four-letter name, we don't read it the way that it's spelled. It's spelled with a yod and a he and a vav and a he, which seems to have uh, the root of that as something to do with the word havaya, which literally means reality or existence. We actually pronounce that name, uh, the name, ad, the, the, the word, the, the shame adnut it's called, and the word is Adonai, and that word basically means my master. And so what we're saying here is that when you say this name, when you read this name, so you're, pronoun- you're pronouncing it with a shame adnut, you're not saying the, the yud and hey and vav and hey pronunciation, we're not allowed to pronounce that. Um, so you're supposed to concentrate on the meaning of the of the word that you're actually saying, which he says is be'adnut, uh, the, the mastery of Hashem, shehu adon hakol, that he is the master of all. Uh, and then so you should also have intention to the to the way it's written, be yud hey, 
Shehaya vehove veyiyeh, that Hashem is, was, is, and will be. So you're supposed to have these two sets of thoughts when you read the four-letter name of Hashem, because you're saying one word, which is the the adnut word, the word of mastery, and then you're also, you're also but you're reading the letters, which are the four-letter name, the yud and hey and vav and hey. And so you're supposed to be thinking both of these things. One, that Hashem is the master of all. And the second thing is that Hashem was, is, and always will be. So that's what that, that that that's for the first name, and let's just now look at the second name before we start explaining what these things mean. Uvaz kiro elokim. When you actually say when you mention the other name of Hashem elokim, so yechavein shu takif. You should you should think or have intention that Hashem is powerful. Bal hayecholas uvala kochos kulam. He is utterly capable, and he is the the master or source uh, of all forces in existence. And these are these two names of Hashem you should have intent now. The halacha here does not go into any of the other words of the syntax of a bracha. Now, a bracha starts off with the phrase, every bracha pretty much, Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. And then there's a second part of the bracha which varies depending on what kind of bracha you are saying. So this phrase, Baruch Atah Hashem, so the first two words, Baruch Atah, are not explained here. And then we have the word Hashem, which means the name, uh, uh, the Yod and Hei and Vav and Hei, the four-letter name of Hashem. And then Elokeinu, which is the name Elokim. And then we have Melech HaOlam. So these, th- this entire phrase is kind of like this power phrase that when you actually say it, it's supposed to trigger a whole series of thoughts. And that's really where we have to start our exploration of this halacha because halacha starts off, the, the main theme is when you say these words, as it says here, when you actually say a bracha, so you should have intent uh, in the actual meaning of the words that you are saying. And we mentioned in the last episode that that's obviously kind of intuitive. When you think about any time that you're speaking, we very, very rarely, if ever, speak words that we are not having some kind of underlying intentionality in speaking them. We don't just make sounds when we talk. We don't just throw out random noises. We say things with intention, and we're actually trying to form sounds that, that convey something which is inside of us in the, the intangible world that is our inner inner space. We're trying to convey that into the outer world through our words. And so that's true in all cases. And here the Shulchan Aruch mentions the halacha is you should do that here also. Now, the reason why it's necessary to mention that is because these words, it's very possible for people to just recite the words that are in the Sidur or words that they know by heart, the bracha words by rote out of habit without thinking about them at all. It's a very rare phenomenon because we rarely find ourselves in a situation where we are reciting things by rote uh, without any underlying connection or intent. But that is what the, that, that, that can happen in this setting. And so the halacha here that the Shulchan Aruch goes out of his way to remind you is that this is something which you need to make sure you do. Now, this is often difficult for people, but it really doesn't have to be. And th- that, that can be fixed once you kind of can solve a basic underlying problem here. The underlying problem is that when we are speaking normally, so we don't have to think too much about connecting what we say with what it is that we think. But when we're doing this kind of speaking where we actually are not thinking too much about what it is that we're saying because we are doing it by rote, you actually need to almost like hook up the inner technology of the world of your mind to the world of your words. And we just do that instinctively normally, but here because there's a breakage for many of us, we actually have to learn how to do that on purpose. And there's a way, and that way is not simply to just uh, you know tell people, oh, you're supposed to, to say these words with kavana. Why are you spacing out? Why are you saying these words by rote? That's kind of like the Musser approach, or at least today's more modern Musser approach. Musser means to say things that are usually described as giving someone you know criticism, where you can just tell them, hey, you're not doing this 
the right way, and now you need to start doing it better. Uh, very, very unfortunately, a very common practice in many schools and also in many uh, shoals and synagogues uh, to try to use that sort of approach to uh, motivate people to start uh, doing tefillah or saying brachos with more intention is just to sort of be like, hey, you're not doing that, you should do that. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't really help many of us because there's there's no conveying of the methodology of how to go from a place of rote understanding to a place of actual intentionality in your speaking. And that would be a much more useful uh, thing to share, both in schools and in synagogues, to actually help people to learn how to change the system or the structure inside themselves to connect these currently isolated aspects, the world of the words, the rote speaking, and there is a way to do that. And so that's kind of what we have to explore now. And so the basic underlying thing here, the, the assumption or the, the, the normative way of doing this kind of thing when it's not something you're doing by rote, is that our minds, we have a, we have a world of thought. And that world of thought basically is structured like this. There's, there's what we've been discussing quite at, quite at length for a while is that there is the world of perception. There's the perceptual landscape. And you can think of that as the, you know, the way that you perceive something essentially defines the kinds of thoughts that you can actually have about that thing. So if you perceive somebody as a threat, then you're going to have a whole cascade of thoughts that are going to be that are going to revolve around that person's threateningness or the, or or your idea of what a threat means. If you perceive someone as a friend, then uh, conversely, you'll have a whole set of thoughts that are cascading through your mind all about you know how to relate to them, how to respond to them, how to talk to them, and that's essentially the the at the core of any particular cascade of thoughts. There is a particular uh, we'll call it a a, ma a matrix, a particular set of rules that comes with your basic perception, which means if you see somebody as as a, as a threat, so then that means that now you have a basic matrix of threat that is being activated, and you're looking at them within the container of that matrix and saying, "Well, so that's the that's the that's the situation that we are in." And so now I have to access the the the, the rules of that matrix, and then the, subsequently the thoughts that come with those rules. And so that's kind of the structure of how our minds work. And that 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 matrix is called the world of chachma. And that world of chachma is actually a very profound concept. It's one of the ten. Uh, filters that Hashem uses to manifest himself in the world. And so what you're trying to do is, well, on a regular basis, what you actually do is we tend to have, like we've discussed multiple times, we have this das tovara set up in our minds. That means that our perceptions, the the, the, the landscape of our, of our matrices, the landscape of the potential lenses that we access to observe and relate to existence is more a function of our actual habits our actual, our, our environment, our upbringing, our tendencies, our fears, it's more of a product of those types of things as opposed to a construction that we deliberately constructed. In other words, the way that we perceive things tends to be more a habituated outcome or habituated product of phenomena as opposed to a deliberately formed construction in which we actually um, intentionally create a particular lens of the reality that we face. And if you created it intentionally, maybe you would try to make sure that it actually matches reality very accurately, very very carefully, as opposed to when we have these the formation of random uh, perceptions and lenses just through our experiences of the world. So often those perceptions, while they might serve some function in, in a particular local situation and could actually even be helpful, 
helpful, in many other situations they are simply not applicable. So for example, if you were habituated as you grew up to experience other people as uh, as scary, and, you know, meeting new people is frightening, and other people are, they could be a threat, and they could hurt you, and you know, that, that, that will end up fostering a whole set of thoughts, and then subsequently emotions of insecurity as a result of that underlying perception. Now that perception has its utility, right? I mean, it's not like we develop those perceptions for no reason. We develop those perceptions usually as the result of the fact that we've been hurt many times while we are children, and we've been bullied, and we've been, we've been uh, uh, treated in ways that is very painful, and so we basically develop this way of seeing the world which says, oh, well, uh, the world can be a dangerous place, people can be dangerous and hurtful, and therefore facing new people, meeting new people, going, being outgoing, going out to meet new people can be very dangerous and painful, so therefore it should be avoided because other people are potentially hurtful beings. And so that's a perception that we develop, which is a useful perception to protect ourselves from potentially dangerous people, but it can also get in the way because there are many, many people who are actually not bullies and not dangerous. In fact, we, te we tend to hope that we ourselves are not. And if we ourselves are not, well, then it stands to reason that many other people also are not dangerous and bullies. And sometimes people uh, unintentionally say hurtful things. But there are plenty of people who try to be kind and sweet and want to get to know other people as well. And we're all, uh, you know, we, we all are kind of in this in this graduating class of the world uh, together. And so that, that the, the, the detection of a perception like that embedded in your perceptual landscape in the world of your matrices is very important because then you can actually start to uh, undo it or even just add a new perception which says, well, actually people are trustworthy and are and are connective and are and, and they or at least they can be and they can be loving and they can be open and they can be worthy of of, of sharing and of and of and of friendship. And so then you can kind of have, okay, well I have 20% perceptual landscape is protective and 80% is is loving or giving. And then with accessing that perceptual landscape that or that developing that new perception, you can actually become more in harmony with reality because there are some some people that are dangerous, but there are many more people who are who want to help and who are genuinely interested in developing relationships. And so that's an example of the distortion that can come from the Eitz Hadas is we have this tendency to develop perceptions that are habituated. And in this particular context, the uh, the idea here is that when you have a particular perception, there's a cascade of thought in what's called the world of Bina. And the world of Bina is the world of your thoughts, the world of your mind. And that means that when you have a particular perception that's plugged in right now and, and is activated, then you'll have a whole cascade of thoughts that are going to flood your mind that are a result of that perception. And so the reason why we have a hard time having intention when we are saying brachos, when we are uh, when we are engaging in the process of tefillah is because our underlying perception does not match the activity that we are doing. In other words, the underlying perception of tefillah is something that is, it is for many of us, there's a wide variety of underlying perceptions. Some of it might be just, well, I've just done this for so long, it never really meant that much to me, uh, but you know, I, I, just, uh, I just keep doing it because I want to be part of the community, or I keep doing it because I hope that uh, one day maybe I'll understand it, or it'll actually, or maybe in some way it actually does make a difference, even if I don't see that difference so much, uh, or maybe I do feel good that I'm doing it, I feel a little bit connected to Hashem, just not that much, but I do feel something from it. And these underlying perceptions make it impossible for us to have the corresponding cascade of Bina-related thoughts about the words that we are saying. Because it's kind of like if you're in a relationship where you're, you know, you're, 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 uh, let, let's even give an example. Let's say you're, you're, you're in a relationship with a baby. Very many, I'm formulating it that way and just sort of like to, to a little bit um, pull our minds out of the habits of how we think about this. But if you have a baby or you're, or you're with a baby for whatever reason, maybe you're babysitting, so you can take care of the baby according to its 
needs, right? That's something which is pretty, pretty simple. It's obviously a lot of work, but you can assess what are the needs of this baby, and then you can respond with those things. But you would never start having a full-on conversation with that baby repeatedly, you know, let's say you're the mom, to, to have a full-on conversation about complex matters uh, day in and day out for months and years, uh, or let's just say a baby is only going to stay a baby for a limited time, but let's say for a year to just have an ongoing conversation with that baby about various topics of complexity. So at a certain point, you're going to start to feel like, well, there's just no one there. There's no one home. This baby doesn't seem to understand what it is that I'm saying. And that perception will erode your, your motivation to actually bother thinking too much about the things that you are saying and about the, the things that you're feeling. Well, there's no point in really going into that headspace right now because there's no one listening on the other end. And that underlying perception will, will simply erode that inner space, the world of your thoughts. That is exactly what happens here with tefillah and brachos and all these things. And the, the, the issue here is that the mechanics require us to fundamentally perceive Hashem as who He is, and as present, and as fully able to receive. So I'll give you an example. The problem with babies is that we know they can't understand what it is that we're saying. The issue with Hashem is not only, not only does Hashem actually understand everything that you're saying, Hashem is actually the source of your understanding, and as understanding that is light years more advanced, not, not, to, not, not that it's a competition, don't compare yourself to Hashem, the idea here is to perceive yourself as an aspect of Hashem. If Hashem is the totality of understanding, the totality of complexity, the, the totality of intelligence, so and you are a subcategory of that, you are an aspect of Hashem's self, you are a fragment, a partial consciousness fragment of Hashem's self in the world, so then accessing Hashem as the source consciousness and as the source of understanding is actually a way for you to now try to open yourself up to receive greater understanding from Hashem, greater consciousness, greater under, greater intelligence and grasp of complexity when you open yourself yourself up to the source of that. And so that's a very different perception. In other words, when we perceive Hashem the way that I just described, if you can actually see it that way a little bit, so then you can then access a whole set of thoughts that come from that. If, if I told you that there was a machine or that there was a place that you could go where just by being there you become a thousand times more intelligent your understanding of all your issues in life would suddenly become clarified and you'd have all the thoughts that are necessary to calculate your way through those things you would probably be very interested in going to that place and you'd, you'd spend a lot of time thinking about all the possibilities of what that could do for you how you could change your whole life how you could become someone different how you could you could build things that you never imagined you could build you could understand things you never imagined that you could understand and so the accessing of that perception is the key to changing the whole type the whole array of thoughts that normally flood your mind and so that's really what this Si'if in, in the Shulchan Aruch is about. The two names of Hashem here, the yud Vavke name and the Elohim name, these are two names that give us sort of like a an upgraded paradigm of who Hashem is and how to understand and how to perceive Hashem more accurately. And that's why the Shulchan Aruch here focuses on these words right now, because of the whole phrase of a bracha, the other, part, the other words are also very important. And actually we have a, a series on this on the Yisod blocks where you can check this out more in depth. But the names themselves, the yud Vavke and the Elohim names, are the keys to actually understanding, to actually upgrading the perception and paradigm you have of who Hashem is, so that way you can actually really perceive these things differently and then think different thoughts about this issue. And so this is just like a small taste. The example I just gave of Hashem is someone who is the source of understanding. I mean, it's a very, very small example. Uh, the idea here is to actually spend time learning these things. And that's, again, not, not, not to unnecessarily plug the website, but Yesod Blocks and many other places that there are other, lots of other source materials you can use to learn more about Hashem and to upgrade our perceptions from this very vague, well, Hashem is just this guy in the sky who's over there somewhere. I don't really know what he understands. I mean, I obviously have been told he understands stuff, but 
like, I don't know, you know, I just don't feel like I'm listened to. I feel like it's, it, and you just sort of, in a very subtle way, create this perception of Hashem that's very similar to that baby example where you develop this conviction inside, even beneath your own self-awareness, that Hashem really is there and really is listening. But not only is Hashem listening, there's a whole world of who Hashem is. And when you can access that, and you can learn that, and you can know who Hashem is in that way, so then that will completely change the kinds of thoughts that you'll have. That is the key to the underlying mechanics of how to access and how to, how to activate, really, the, the world of Kavana. It's not something that you can just do by being told, hey, you need to have more Kavana. It's not right that you're not listening or that you're not thinking or that you're spacing out during davening or, or when you're saying brachos. That's not helpful. That's not real Musar. The word Musar means something which actually moves you. It changes you, who you are. That's what we're sharing now. You have to actually change the way that you see things you have to first of all access you have to know there's a landscape of perception of matrices of perception and their their corresponding thoughts that fit into the rule book of the particular matrix that you're accessing you have to know that that's how you work you have to be able to then uh, deliberately go into the world of your perceptions and actually start to assess what they are and what they can be and you have to also learn real information about Hashem just like you need to learn new, real information about another person and about the world if you want to upgrade your perceptions and once you as you learn those things and you learn them deeply and you actually install those things willfully into your perceptual landscape you start to have different kinds of thoughts and your thoughts then start to flood your mind and then they become natural when you say a particular word the Yud Kei name the four letter name of Hashem then all the thoughts that are associated with that will flood into your mind and this really happens it's a very powerful thing so and, and then you say the name Elohim the same thing happens and you say and then you start saying any words in the Hebrew language and Hebrew words and you start to learn them deeply and in this way I mean they're literally triggers for for mountains of thoughts that actually reformat who you are as a person and then yeah you actually see the results I mentioned because the more plugged in you are to Hashem the more plugged in you are to the truth of existence it's like becoming a super scientist it's like you're you're plugged into reality and the more you learn the more you understand the more you can create the more you can build the more you can give the more you can construct that's really what this is about and that's what this whole Siman and Shulchan is about it's about having that intent based on understanding of those mechanics and these names are the result of that or are the trigger of that and so that's that's a fundamental principle here. So we're going to leave it at that for now. We're going to see a lot more halachos about this type of issue, the, the area of intent. We get to hilchos tfila and also there's other hilchos brachos applications of these things. And at some point we'll have to explore the other words that are in the phrase Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam a little bit as well. But for now, that's the core idea that is in this halacha. And that's really what this is about. Hope you enjoyed that and you understood that. Again, check out yesodblocks.com if you enjoy this and you want to support what it is that we are doing. The more support we get, the more subscribers we get, the more we can create this kind of Torah. So please, uh, please join us and please jump on this bandwagon. And you can also leave us a positive review uh, on this episode, on this podcast, if you enjoyed it, which also will help us to continue to spread this Torah and hopefully uplift the world to greater and greater levels of intelligence, complexity, understanding, just the to- total divine light of Hashem's presence. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to having you join me in the next episode.